Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Over a half million jobs in January. Unemployment, lowest since 1969. What our labor secretary has to say about that. Meanwhile, big win for state workers in Nebraska. No strike at the Huffington Post. And today on the show, the Southwest Pipe Trades and the Connecticut Employees Union. Welcome to the Monday, February 6th edition of America's Workforce. Where we are available on at least six platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Robert Chap Thornton will be our first guest on the show today. No stranger. He's been on before. He serves as business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of the United Association Plumbers and Pipefitters. That would be Local 286 website, real simple, local286.org. Chap, as they call him has been a member of that local for 29 years, a full-time employee of the local since his election to business agent in 2013. He was elected to the position of business manager in March of 2018. Prior to that, he was a plumbing and mechanical inspector for the city of Austin, did that for nine years, plumber pipe fitter for 10, started his uh, five-year apprenticeship program back in 1993. Started teaching apprenticeship classes in the year 2000. Plumbing, continuing education classes for journeymen three years later. And uh, continued to do that until 2015. In fact, he grew up around the plumbing industry. His dad was a mechanical contractor. His uh, grandpa was a master plumber and plumbing inspector. Chap also attended, this is interesting, Texas State University, He was actually looking into uh, an agriculture science degree, but changed his uh, career paths and completed that uh, five-year apprenticeship program in the pipe trades. He's also president of the Southwest Pipe Trades, which is a trade association made up of the 12 UA local unions, not just in Texas, but Oklahoma and New Mexico. And he also serves as secretary of the Central Texas Building and Construction Trades Union, which is based in Austin. (laughs) A lot of hats there. We'll talk about the uh, upcoming work in uh, Austin. There's a Samsung facility and also the expansion of a Tesla Gigafactory. We'll talk about those registered apprenticeship uh, programs and uh, the importance of getting involved in local politics. Boy, everything is connected to politics. Texas is not what you call a real union-friendly state. Now, Austin, different story. We'll talk about all that and more with uh, Chap Thornton, Robert Chap Thornton. So now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Great news about the, the job situation in the country. The U.S. economy claimed to add 517,000 jobs. That's just in the month of January. Even governments reported adding 74,000 workers, including 52,000 in state and local schools. 35,000 of them were University of California system unionized workers who ratified new contracts. Though the Bureau of Labor Statistics didn't say so, they were forced to go on strike. So they were counted as part of that as well. Unemployment, get this, declined to 3.4%. Can you believe that? Lowest point since 1969. Wage growth, that's estimated at 4.4%. Still below inflation. Still below inflation. Factories added 19,000 jobs, rising to just shy of 13 million. Construction companies claim to add 25,000 jobs in January. They are at 7.8 million. Uh, one semi negative number in the report 
was that the biggest job growth came in the lowest paying sector. This has been uh, pretty constant. We're talking leisure and hospitality. Um, in that sector, 113,400 workers added 99,000 of those in bars and restaurants alone. Now, we have a comment from uh, Marty Walsh, our labor secretary. He points out, since Biden took office, okay, a little over two years ago, we've added 12.1 million jobs. Monthly average, 356,000 jobs over the past three months. This is a quote from Marty. Growth was widespread across industries. Notable gains in restaurants, bars, retail stores, healthcare facilities, professional business offices, and construction. We saw jobs added in the care economy that make it possible for more people to work. And labor force participation increased among workers between the ages of 25 and 54. He also notes that the jobless rate for black workers dropped to near an all-time low. Although, at 5.4%, it's still higher than the overall rate. It indicates an important area of focus on our equity policies. With unemployment down, says Marty, and infrastructure and manufacturing investments moving forward across the nation, we are truly seeing what it looks like to build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. At the Department of Labor, we remain focused on making sure all the jobs being created are good jobs and making sure all workers have access to those opportunities. Now, I mentioned uh, factory jobs. That has prompted a comment from Scott Paul, who heads the Alliance for American Manufacturing. He's one of our regular guests on the show. Again, there's 19,000 jobs in manufacturing alone in January. Scott says 2022 was a huge year for factory job growth, and it looks like the trend is continuing. I'm optimistic that, that in the coming months we will see even more manufacturing employment gains, and that's all thanks to the passage of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, Inflation Reduction Act, Chips and Science Act. And he says, you know what? Industrial policy works. But now, now comes the hard part. Threats remain. Manufacturing will hit a roadblock if the Fed decides to continue to raise interest rates. For example, if we want to sustain this job growth over the long term, it is vital that the work done over the past year and year and a half is the first step and not the last word. That starts with proper enforcement of the Buy America provisions in the infrastructure law, and it also includes making additional strategic investments in critical sectors. Scott Paul of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Boy, he is so right on that. Last Wednesday, the Huffington Post Union, which, by the way, is an affiliate of the Writers Guild of America, East WGAE, they reached an agreement on a new contract with their parent company, which is BuzzFeed. The new contract still has to be approved by the membership, and the union is withholding details until the deal is ratified. In a statement, members of the HuffPost union said for months, the union made clear we would not settle for anything less than a fair and equitable contract. And our unit stood together until the bitter end, united against proposals from management that sought to take this newsroom backwards. In the end, we secured a deal that is full of victories, big and small, all for our members. It's a testament to to the power of solidarity and strength of our unit, 98% of whom signed a strike pledge that successfully put management on alert. And we are incredibly proud of this new contract, and we will build a better future for the HuffPost. Let me say, that is a great publication, the, uh, the HuffPost. It used to be called the Huffington Post. But that is one of a few publications that has a labor union writer on a daily beat. We've had him on the show a couple of times. His name is Dave Jamison. Just Google his name. He has covered every labor action for a couple of years. And a really good guy. We'll have to get him back on the show. Let's go to uh, Nebraska. Members of the Nebraska Association of Public Employees, better known as NAEP, they're affiliated with AFSCME Local 61. 
They ratified a new collective bargaining agreement that includes the largest salary increases that state workers have seen in at least 35 years. The new contract will provide the majority of employees with wage increases of anywhere between 5 and 2% over the next two years. For critical and hard-to-fill positions, the increases will range anywhere between 10 and 27%, making it a whole lot easier for the state to resolve worker shortages in several agencies. Positions for jobs like accountants, snowplow drivers, social service workers, and driver's license examiners, among others, were in short supply because the salaries, well, they lag behind the private sector. And according to uh, Justin Hubley, who's the executive director, he said, we're hoping this helps us deliver the high quality of services that folks in Nebraska expect. Remember talking to Justin on the show about this some months ago, and they were really concerned about the lack of snowplow drivers because it was right before winter, and they're, they're freaking out. Wait a minute. We get a big storm. We don't have snowplow drivers. We're in big trouble. Well, uh, thankfully, collective bargaining worked here, and uh, the members of the Nebraska Association of Public Employees, AFSCME Local 61, ratified that new uh, CBA. Good news out of Nebraska. All right, quick break. When we come back, we're going down to Texas. Check in with UA Local 286. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to Austin, Texas right now. And joining us on line number one is Robert Chap Thornton. Mr. Thornton is a business manager, financial secretary treasurer of the UA Plumbers and Pipefitters, Local 286, local286.org. Man wears many hats, as I indicated a few minutes ago. He's currently president of the Southwest Pipe Trades, which is a trade association made up of 12 UA local unions in Texas, Oklahoma, as well as New Mexico. He's also secretary of the Central Texas Building and Construction Trades Council in Austin. And he goes by Chap because his middle name is Chapman, and there's too many Roberts around, so he's going with <laughs> going with Chap. So Chap, welcome welcome back to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, my brother? We're doing great. We're doing great. You're not getting any of that Texas freeze that you had a couple of years ago that kind of stopped everything in the state of Texas? None of that's happening, right? No, we absolutely absolutely had some of that earlier this week. Uh, Central Texas and other parts of Texas at this time, it was it was freezing rain and an ice storm. And, oh, middle 20% of, of Austin, Texas had no electricity, so... Uh, just uh, just about a bad weather, but the sun came out by Saturday, and and the chainsaws were singing around town all weekend, and things are starting to get back to normal. Although some folks are still still without electricity, so yeah. 
that's not a good thing. When your power goes out, you freak out, and everything seems to grind to a halt. But uh, absolutely. absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember when that thing happened, and a big part of that was because Texas is not on the national grid, and it's still not on the national grid. That's another show. That's another show. I want to talk to you about how you got involved in the trades, and I'll tell you, we. On a daily basis here on America's Workforce, we keep talking about all the jobs that are happening in the trades right now. And it's important that you get involved in an apprenticeship program because you can make a whole lot of money. And I know a lot's going on, especially in the Austin area. But there's a lot of people, maybe you could take me back to that time, chap, when you really don't know what you want to do when you grow up. So more often than not, you graduate from high school, you go to college, you check into uh, one program that may not be working. And I guess in your case, it was the agriculture science program. Then it was, what was it? Criminal justice then? Talk to me about that time, because I know you were trying to find your yourself in life. Oh, absolutely. Uh, both my father and grandfather were members of Local 286 and were in the trade. And my father actually took another step and was, was, a, was a contractor for many years and he did everything he could to discourage me from going, getting into the trades and going to college. And so when I graduated college, I'd, I'd, uh, I had several friends that were in, and I was in FFA and involved in agriculture. And uh, so I thought I actually started out wanting to be a veterinarian. And it only took about a year of, of college and, and looking forward to how much school that took to, and how hard it was to get into veterinary school that, then I started looking around, and, and then I decided I wanted to be a, a game warden for, for Texas Parks and Wildlife. So I switched over to a criminal justice degree, and I did that for a couple of years. And, and at that time, you didn't have to have a college degree to, to apply to be a game warden. So I actually went through that process twice. And then I got to the point I had a I had a long-term girlfriend who's, who's actually still my wife to this day, we were planning on getting married, and I was, you know, five years into college and changing degrees, and it was it was time to go to work and, and make a living. So I, I circled back to to what I knew my father and grandfather had done to to make a living, and and no regrets, no no regrets. I, I joined the trades at at a good time coming into the early nineties, and uh, and it's it's been a wonderful thing for for me and my family. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a great honorable work type thing to do. You know, the trades are, and it uh, you know, it's it's there's still that stigma of of blue collar workers that I don't know what we have to do to fix that. But but you know, organized union trades folks they would they make a good living. They absolutely yeah. make a good living without any college debt. Yeah, exactly. Did you connect with the UA right away when you joined their apprenticeship program? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it did. Uh, I, I I'd grown up in a union household, and uh, and you know, and, and I thought I understood everything there was to know about it. But you know, once I got into it, I I, I realized I, I didn't know very much at all. But no, it. Uh, I felt the connection to uh, to the organization and, and the local union right away. You know, the the brotherhood and sisterhood within that within the organization absolutely connected to it. I noticed you started the apprenticeship back in '93, and then seven years later, in 2000, you started teaching. That uh, that's interesting. Not not everybody's good at teaching. What what kind of Got you going in that direction, chap. It it was uh, it was a combination of, of wanting to give back to to the organization that had you know trained me and and taught me to to make a living and and it was and it was a financial decision as well. The, the UA instructors at the at the local union level, I mean, they they get paid for their time and for for teaching at night. So at, at that point, I had a uh, had Brand new, brand new baby that's now fixing to turn twenty three. So uh, it was both a financial decision to to make some extra money to 
to help with the with the new family and new baby and uh and to give back to the to the local union so let's talk about uh to uh 286 how many members right now what uh, what's the territory we are floating right around 1700 uh all in with with retirees and and life members uh in approximately probably 12 to 1300 actually working uh, working out on the road as well across the across the united states now 286 i know you're prime you're based in austin but what part of texas is a big chunk of texas that you cover it actually local there are eight local unions in in texas and and uh local 286 has one of the smaller geographical areas compared to the other local unions uh the locals along the the gulf coast and houston 68 and 211 they encompass a, a huge portion Actually, the whole Gulf Coast, uh, local 404 out west, encompasses another huge area of, of West Texas in the Panhandle. But we've got just a, a small Central Texas area, uh, just south of Waco and north of San Antonio. So geographically speaking, we're actually one of the smaller jurisdictions in Texas. And right now, where where are we with all the work? I'm hearing good things. Uh, Samsung. Tesla, I guess, has a gigafactory going on. Uh, what's the absolutely? We've we've been uh, we've been blessed in in Austin and Central Texas for the last six years with uh, with almost full employment. It, it did slow down a little in 2022, uh, and we've had a little bit of unemployment, but we've got a huge project coming up in Taylor, Texas, just on the north end of our jurisdiction. That would be the Samsung Samsung uh, Semiconductor Factory. And then uh, starting in late 2020, early 2021, the Tesla Gigafactory on the east side of Austin has uh, kept a lot of our members employed, uh, along with downtown projects, uh, hospital work, University of Texas, other surrounding higher education facilities. Uh, we've we've we're in a good spot in Central Texas, and and lots of folks have relocated to this area. Lots of companies have have relocated, uh, you know, headquarters to this area. We've got a a lot of semiconductor uh, things going on, and and a lot of lot of lot of a lot of tech industry, a lot of a lot of office buildings, a lot of a lot of think tanks, uh, lots of big name companies have have offices in Austin, and they all want skilled labor to work on those factories. That's a good thing, and that's where the apprenticeship programs come in. Well, I want to get in that, but uh, I want to pick your brain a little bit because I know those chips factories, and you have that one Samsung is building, require a whole a lot of water, a whole lot of water, because I know that we're 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 getting one done in Central Ohio with Intel, and uh, I know the the UA in that area is going crazy trying to get people into their programs. Can you speak to that, uh, chap? I mean, that's that's got to be pretty exciting for uh, for the apprenticeship program down there. It it, it absolutely is. It, uh, we have our our local apprenticeship program due to just the increased workload in the Austin area, we have, we have exploded, uh, in the last five or six years, um, we've really increased the, 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 the number of apprentices. We're close to 450 apprentices total in our program. Uh, in the last five years, we've had, to, the apprentices come two nights a week to school from five to 9 PM. And we used to be able to, at one point we could do all that in, in three nights a week and then it turned into four nights a week and now we're having to run five nights a week uh, to to have enough because of our space to get all those apprentices through class and, and we're doing everything we can to not have Saturday schools as well. But we've 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 been lucky we were able to purchase some additional space in a building next right adjacent to our existing training center in 2020 and that gave us some relief on on parking and classroom and shop space and uh you know moving forward we're we're 
we've been in the same location since 1968. We're in a good location in Central East Austin and really don't want to move if we don't have to. So we're steadily trying to acquire any property around us as it comes available. But yes, huge, huge growth within our apprenticeship and, and absolutely with the project coming up, Samsung and Taylor, it's, it's the, the number of you know, the manpower need is, is, is still kind of a guessing game at this point on what the total number of folks are going to need to, to build and, and maintain that, that factory. And the good news, that work will continue for many, many years. Good stuff. Good stuff happening in Austin, Texas. Robert Chap Thornton is his name. He is the business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of UA Plumbers and Pipefitters, local 286, local286.org. Back in a few. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. You're listening to America's Workforce, and this next segment brought to you by the North Coast Labor Federation. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now... Back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis. And give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. I want to call attention to a job fair, career fair, I should say, the Cleveland Building and Construction Trades Council. And uh, their partners are preparing for an apprenticeship career fair. This is going to take place in March, giving you a lot of time to prepare for this one. March 23rd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pipe Fitters, Local 120, which is in Valley View, Ohio. For more information, call Doreen Cannon, 216-459-0099. That would be extension 143. All right. 216-459-0099, extension 143. And thank you to the Cleveland Building and Construction Trades Council for that announcement. Those of you listening, too, since we're on so many platforms, we reach so many areas. If you have a career fair that you want to promote, make sure you contact us at uh, BMA Media. Just uh, look for BMA Media, and we'll get it on the show. We'll get on the show, no problem. Let's go back to Austin, Texas right now. And they are preparing for all kind of careers down there because they got a huge expansion with Samsung. We're talking about a chips plant and a Tesla Gigafactory. Robert Chap Thornton is the business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of local uh, 286 of the UA Plumbers and Pipefitters. So, Chap, uh, what, when are we, when are we going to see the uh, ground? Uh, has the ground been broken on these? these projects yet uh, what, what's the time frame time frame the the tesla gigafactory is is up and running it it started in late 2020 early 2021 it's kept you know several hundred ua folks busy uh since then they've they've got more expansion coming uh and and probably keep at least 150 200 of our ua brothers and sisters busy for for a good while to come. The, the Samsung project in Taylor, we've got some UA brothers and sisters on site doing the, the underground right now. And best we can tell, 
later this year, maybe mid-year, we'll, uh, we'll really see them start to ramp up once they get some structure up. And we start getting the, uh, the the base build, all the HVAC piping and, and all the process piping mains that that are going to be installed in that semiconductor plant. Uh, so somewhere around the middle of this year, we'll really see uh, a sharp increase in, in the manpower needs on that Samsung project. If you don't mind, I'd like to talk about the Southwest Pipe Trades. Pre- you're president of that uh, trade association, and we're talking a, a number of uh, unions, 12 altogether, UA locals, Texas, along with Oklahoma and New Mexico. So I know Texas is on fire here with jobs. What about Oklahoma and New Mexico? What are you hearing about those uh, those areas? I, I talked to Courtney, the business manager in New Mexico, late last week, and he's He's, he actually reached out to me to see if, if, if we had anybody available to, to come work in, in Albuquerque. He's He's got things going on there at uh, Intel as well as some some commercial projects. So he's he's in need of some plumbers and pipe fitters right now as we speak. Oklahoma, to the best of my knowledge, seems to be doing well uh, with both projects and Oklahoma City and, and Tulsa are the, are the hubs of the UA locals there. So things are things are things are doing pretty good all over the, the, the Southwest pipe trades as far as the, those three states. Good to hear. Chap, if you don't mind, I'd like to switch gears here and talk a bit about politics. Now, I know Austin is a pretty liberal area. Uh, the rest of the state, not so much. Uh, there might be some areas. I think Houston is is pretty uh, pretty progressive. But in your area, how involved is a uh, two eighty six? In, in well, we can start with local politics, and then we can kind of get into the the state politics. Let's start with the local. How are we looking? We're, we're absolutely more involved in in local politics than we used to be. Uh, you know, the previous business managers recognize the the need and and the importance of being involved and we've 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 kept that up we we just had a uh a mayoral and and city council race uh in the last few months and and the uh the vast majority of the candidates that were endorsed by the central labor council all the organized labor local unions within Austin, those those folks prevailed. Uh, we've got Mayor Watson, Kirk Watson, who was actually a mayor in Austin back in the in the late nineties, uh, and then went on to be a, a Texas representative and a Texas senator. He is he has circled back and, and ran for mayor and we're we're excited to have Mayor Watson back in back in our local government as mayor, uh, along with the the Labor endorsed city council candidates. It's it's so important to be involved at that level because even though we're in the great state of Texas and and it is not so friendly to organized labor, there's lots of things that can be done at the local level when it comes to prevailing wage and 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 requirements on on city projects or any projects where city money's involved and, and local rules that can that can help organized labor there's there's many things that can be done at the local level to to help help our signatory contractors compete in a in a very open non-union friendly market let me ask you how that's working with the state government because um, there's a lot of uh, people in state governments that say well the locals cannot pass an ordinance that may uh, deal with wage theft or raising the minimum wage and things like that. They want, in other words, they want full control. And uh, and that's been the case. I know it's a case in Ohio and in various other states. Is it like that in Texas as well? It is absolutely. The last the Texas legislature meets every two years and is currently in session right now, kicked off in January. And for the last se- several legislative sessions, there's there's been – bills uh written and, and a movement to to control you know, or basically eliminate local control when it comes to items such as you mentioned and uh the organized labor texas afl co has done a, a great job to 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 
you know, keep everybody informed of, of how important it is to, to keep the state government from, from regulating local control like that and let, let, uh, let, let the cities of Texas regulate themselves, which is actually the way the Texas Constitution was, was written years ago yeah. to, to limit the power of the government, of the, of the Texas government. Yeah, isn't that kind of anti-democratic? I mean, if the people in the local community want to go a certain direction, they should have the right to do that. Isn't that right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and typically the Republican Party, you know, they want less government, except in the case of of being able to regulate what local cities can do. Then, then, Then the government seems to want to get more involved in the regulation of those municipalities and cities. Chap, what about the members of uh, 286? Are, are they engaged in politics? That Do they realize there's a connection with what lawmakers say and do when it comes to their jobs? Not as much as, as I would <laughs> – not as much as I, I, I would hope they would be. We, we've absolutely got some members that are engaged and involved, and, and but, you know, some folks, they just, they just want to get up and, and go to work and, and – make a living and, and go back home and not have to be involved in things like that. Mm-hmm. But we are actively trying to, to get those folks in, involved and, and educate them on how important it is to be involved, even at the local uh, local political level. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, one thing I know that's happening in various states, there's a lot of brothers and sisters that are getting engaged in politics and i often reference the uh, new jersey program where they take union members and educate them on how you know what they need to do to get involved whether it's a school board a city council state lawmaker anything like that and once you get right people in office good things happen good things happen i know you i know it's a long way to change the dynamics in texas uh one more question here for you the ua national great leadership there uh, do they help you out on these kind of things moving forward, especially with uh, with politics? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The the general office of the of the UA has has always been there for us. Uh, you know, the local two eighty six. We our previous business manager uh, started a, a local uh, PAC fund, political action fund, which we can utilize up to the state level. But as when it comes to all those federal and congressional uh, elections we we were regulated on what we can do with our with our state pack money so the uh, the UA has been been always been helpful always been there for us in supporting those candidates at the at the higher level plus right. uh, you know they're there to, to help help us you know it's you can't get can't fall in love with any of them uh, is, is what our general president says can't you know can't can't fall in love with any of them because they'll break your hearts. But uh, you just got to look at, at who's going to support labor. There you don't go. get don't get stuck on one side of the aisle or other or the other. But who's going to support what we do for a living? Good advice, Robert Chap Thornton, business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of UA Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Two Eighty Six. Again, local two eight six dot org. You uh, stay safe, my brother. And uh, let's talk down the road and see how things are changing down there. Good uh, good to hear of all the work that's coming into your area, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I just got an indication here that Carl Chisholm will not be joining the broadcast and podcast today. Carl is with the Connecticut Employees Union Independent, where he serves as president. He has to take a pass. So what we're going to do is go over to the West Coast and join Jonathan Blaine. Jonathan is the apprenticeship coordinator for the Insulators, insulators16.org. This is a union that goes back to 1911, and they cover a chunk of uh, California, Northern California, and Northwestern Nevada. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America. 
delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to uh, Benicia, California right now. And joining us on our live line is Jonathan Blaine. Jonathan is an apprenticeship coordinator for the insulators, heat and frost insulators, that would be, insulators16.org. And they cover quite a territory, 57 counties. And they have about 700 active members in Northern California and Northwestern Nevada. Is it Nevada or Nevada? Correct me on that one. (laughs) The way that I pronounce it, it's Nevada, but uh, it probably just depends on who you talk to. Yeah, you say tomato, I say tomato, okay? (laughs) Exactly. All right, uh, Jonathan, talk to me a little bit about yourself. Insulator 16, uh, how long uh, have you been a member, and I see, and how long have you been serving as apprenticeship coordinator? So I've uh, been a member since the end of January 2007, so it's getting really close to 16 years in the trade for me. Um, And I've been an apprenticeship coordinator since January 1st of this year. And how's it been going for you so far? I have a lot of papers that are shuffling around my desk frequently, Uh, (laughs) um, just trying to figure things out. Um, But uh, I've been in our apprenticeship school full-time for about five years, Uh, so I know a little bit about uh, how things are supposed to go, and I have a great resource in the retired uh, apprenticeship coordinator, Billy Hodges, who's uh, actually here today volunteering some of his time to help me out. Well, good, good, good. It's always good to learn from some of the uh, the the old guys, and so they can uh, teach you a few tricks. And obviously, you might even teach them a few tricks as far as you know connecting with the younger generation. Let, let's talk about that, if you don't mind. How are we doing recruiting folks into the heat and frost insulators? Um, so we're doing uh, pretty good. We can always improve. Uh, we actually had signups uh, on on Monday, and we had about forty three folks uh, sign up. Um, which is up from our previous times. Uh, we we have uh, sign-ups um, quarterly. It's always the second Monday of the month quarterly, and that is from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. here at our facility in Benicia. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see there's more people that showed up. The, the previous uh, sign-ups last year, we had um, around 15 um, for the, the last three sign-ups we held. Well, can you get into the process, the application process? I mean, that's what you do day in and day out, and also the requirements for the job. And and we do a lot. I just want to let you know. We we do a monthly segment here on the show with Pete Almini. I'm sure you're aware of what he does at the Labor Management Trust. So we've educated a lot of our listeners over the years on, on what the insulators do and the importance of mechanical insulation along with fire stopping. So um, – can you talk about the requirements and and, uh, and bringing in the, the folks to, that can handle those jobs? And we're talking about getting it done right the first time. That's that's what unions do. Can you explain that part? Exactly. Um, yeah, so you have to be at least 18 years old. Um, everyone needs a valid driver's license. As you know, our territory is quite large, so um, they'll need to have a good mode of transportation along with that. Um they they have to have had at least one year of algebra or geometry with a passing grade. Um, and then uh, some other useful things is in our area, we cover a lot of refinery work. Um, so they having a transportation worker identification credential or TWIC card along with our refinery safety training um, 
it's a 20-hour uh, high hazard course that we actually put on for our applicants and our members for free um, at our facility. Those are things that help them uh, get started. Uh, you know, we want people who have good character. Uh, men or women doesn't matter. You know, we want somebody who uh, shows up on time. They stay off their cell phone. They're ready to work, willing to follow directions, um, and they are just a. Uh, really good professionals um but having a good character you want to make sure that you're the type of person that uh you're doing the right thing when nobody's looking so that those are the type of people that that we're looking for our our program i understand everything that you said the staying off the cell phone that that's got to be a challenge for you <laughs> it is uh it's a valuable tool uh for communication on the job um which is another important factor uh, but it, it is something that uh, people struggle with. Um, but it, it's a, in our international rules as well, uh, where you're not supposed to be using your phone during regular working hours. Yeah, I hear you. But they do it anyway, sadly. Correct. Uh, what about uh, help from international? I, I know all the unions, especially uh, you know the nationals, try to go down to the locals and, and explain, hey, this is how – you should do things. Can, can you speak to that as, as far as what they're providing for you at Local 16? So the, the international, at least on the training side, is has a lot of valuable training courses throughout the year, every year. Um, I know that uh, myself and, and some of our instructors have attended what they call a trainer enhancement program. Um, it's a five-year program, well, four years, and then they have a fifth additional year currently. Um, it was something that, uh, as far as teaching goes, uh, made a, a world of difference. Um, it's not about just teaching insulation on that side of things. And, and the cool part of it is it's all insulator instructors that are there um, in the classes or coordinators that are in the classes. So you're getting a lot of resources across the country just by attending those courses and meeting the people um, you know, in the other locals. Mm -hmm. um, so well, just kind of that connection is ex extremely valuable. Jonathan, you know, connecting with young people, that could be a challenge as well. Plus, you got a significant territory there, Northern California and Northwestern Nevada. Um, I'm, I wonder if you could speak to that. Now, I, you're, I know you handle the apprenticeship program. You're the coordinator and all that, but you probably are in touch with the, the people that do some of the outreach. Can you tell me how that's going over there? Yeah, um, we work with a lot of MC3 pre-apprentice programs um, in the area, along with the other uh, coordinated associations for the other trades. Um, we we go to high schools and those pre-apprentice programs um, frequently uh, to get in contact with those that aren't sure what they want to do um, and just get our name out there. Um, you know, that that's one of the things that we we usually work on. Um, it, it, it's not uh, very easy to say how many high school students we get to come and apply, but as far as the MC3 programs, there's a few of the programs that we visit that we get um, a fair amount to show up during our application process. Well, Jonathan, you mentioned you got about 700 members right now. I'm just wondering, do you see that growing here? What, what's the workload right now? And I don't know if you could speculate that on, on where you might be in the next year or so with the, with the heat and frost insulators. Um, we, we hope that, uh, I mean, I believe we're continuing to grow. Um, in the refineries, a few of them are switching over to biodiesel, so they're really large projects, and that alone requires a lot more manpower, so we should have um, some growth there. Uh, and along with uh, some of our project labor agreements that we have in our state, uh, well, in California, um, there there's some really good uh, prospects uh, for more work down uh, the Fresno area of our territory um, and, and other project labor agreements also help to um, get more work for our members. So it looks like uh, we have a pretty positive outlook and we should be continuing to grow um, along with uh, fire stopping and the training of that as well. So it uh, things, things look great. Jonathan, I got one more question for you. And uh, we were in on this issue for the last couple of weeks with uh, Pete Almini kind of informing us ahead of time about this uh, Federal Mechanical Insulation Act. It was introduced in the last Congress, and it probably will be reintroduced in the 118th Congress. And this is, it's real simple here. It's great legislation. 
it would pretty much uh, mandate that all federal buildings utilize mechanical insulation, which makes sense. It's going to save energy. And when you do that, you got to do it with skilled union labor. That's where the insulators come in. I can only imagine, Jonathan, that, that Local 16, and, and I understand, too, it's uh, one of the reps in your area, Linda Sanchez from California, is the one that, uh, that introduced it and probably will do it again. you got to be pretty excited about uh, going in that direction. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, you know, getting involved with uh, politics is intimidating for a lot, but at the same time, it, it pays big dividends in the long run. Um, you know, in our local uh, we had an SB 54 a while back, basically making sure that union members were working in the refinery facilities, um, which changed a lot. Because at that time, I think we were around uh, five to six hundred members, and that and that brought us up to about seven hundred members shortly thereafter. Um, so the being involved with with political, um, you know, things, it's an extremely important to, you know, do some research. Um, you know, boots on the ground, help support these folks that are willing to support us. And, uh, you know, it comes around full circle. Um, and, and, you know, this is just a, a great way. Um, you know, hopefully this thing gets put through and, and we can get all of our members in these facilities and continue to grow. And it's going into the hands of working folks uh, that, you know, should be properly compensated. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you need to do that. Yeah, and you want it done right the first time. And this is a no brainer. For me, it's common sense, but then again, you're dealing with politicians. Sometimes they don't they under, they don't understand that equation. You're saving money. You're saving money in a ton of federal buildings, and there's federal buildings all over the place. So let's get it done. Yeah, let's get it done. And a, a lot of them are dated, and and that will help bring things up to speed. You know, there you they go. They need new insulation in those places. Jonathan Blaine, apprenticeship coordinator for Local Six of the Insulators. Website real simple: insulator sixteen org doing a great job over there in uh, california and nevada northern california and northwestern nevada jonathan you take care stay in touch brother and stay safe okay thanks for the time and that'll be it for another edition of america's workforce tomorrow we'll check in with the ohio afl cio and ua local 449 until then all of you have a safe and wonderful day That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.